Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Okay, church, remember what we've talked about, right? It's so important. Whenever you do expositional teaching, it's like you, you have to kind of go back and, and, and reiterate. So you go, well, Ben, what did we talk about? Well, over the past several weeks, right before Christmas in John chapter 6, one of the largest chapters, by the way, 71 verses, right? Jesus is wanting to build the faith in his disciples, right? He wants to build their faith. And I think that's a lot what he does with us, right? When we walk and, 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 and we walk with him, I think the majority of our lives is God is building our faith and walking closer to him. Now, there are times in that that we, have a, we, we might have a, a hurdle to climb or maybe we get, we get skidded along the way and we fall down. And, but, but he wants to build their faith, right? And so from time to time, Jesus will bring a test. He'll bring a test to his disciples. And if you recall, at the beginning of this chapter, there was this large crowd following Jesus, okay? But the problem was, is they weren't following him for the reasons we think, right? The word of God says that they were seeking Jesus, but they weren't seeking. You go, what do you mean? Well, these, this group right now, they were what we call a crowd of thrill seekers, you go, what do you mean? Well, they had seen and they had heard and, and people were, were Facebooking and they were Instagramming all the miracles that Jesus did. And so, and so they're following him. They want to get a look. I want to see who this Jesus is. Are you kidding me? Did you see what so and so tweeted? I mean, if we were going to modernize it, but they were, they were looking for him, right? They were wanting to see a miracle. They had seen and heard up in Jerusalem at the feast that there were some miracles. And so they're following him and they're following him for the wrong reason. They're following Jesus, listen to me, so that they could see a miracle or what they could get from Jesus. And the Bible paints such a beautiful picture of that going on even today. There's a lot of folks that go, listen, I'll follow Jesus so I could get stuff. And we use the word blessed. I want to be blessed. God blessed me. And so they'll follow Jesus for the wrong reasons. Well, you know what? Jesus seen an opportunity to build their faith, right? His disciples. He looks at the crowd. He turns to Philip. I don't know about you, but I'm thinking if we're all standing in line and we see the crowd, I think all the disciples took a step back. There's Philip not paying attention. Jesus looks at Philip and says, Philip, where shall we buy food? Where shall we buy bread so all these could eat, right? And Philip's like, oh, singled out again, right? If it was me, I'd probably push the guy in front. It's like, hey, Philip, Jesus is going to talk to you. But don't panic. Why? Because we learned that this is only a test. And you go, how do you know? Well, in verse 6 of chapter 6, it says, but Jesus said this to test him, for he knew what he would do. And you guys remember what happens. He does the most amazing of most amazing of miracles, right? He feeds how many? He feeds about ten to fifteen thousand people, guys, with a sack lunch, with five small loaves and two fish. That's what Jesus does. He does. I mean, and this is crazy. Now I want you to catch this, okay? Jesus does an amazing miracle. He has the people sit down. All of them eat. Now here's what I want you to see. Not only does he provide, but they walk away full. In Matthew's gospel, they walk away satisfied. They're going. Whoa! It's like when you go eat at Golden Corral and you eat too much. Oh, I'm never eating again, right? I mean, that's how they were so full. And as a matter of fact, here's the thing. Listen, when we totally surrender our hearts to Jesus, he will put and fill our lives so full that we'll be satisfied. Not only satisfied in this life, but we'll be satisfied in eternity. And not only that, Jesus does something incredible. What? He, he has leftovers, right? Right? First mention of doggy bags right here. I mean, there's leftovers, 12 of them. 
It'd be more like a doggy basket, I guess. Well, the crowd follows him the next day, right? They're following him. He gets in a boat. We know Jesus walks on the water, and it's just a huge miracle. But they follow him, right? They're not wanting to see any more signs. Guess what they're wanting? Breakfast, right? Somebody said burritos, and so they follow Jesus. And I love how they approach Jesus, right? Here's what they say. Rabbi, when did you come here, right? And you can feel the tone. You know, you know what I mean? It's, 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 it, re, it sounds like that same tone when, uh, when one gives, gives it away when they knew basically that there was a surprise party. They knew all about it, but then they act surprised. Oh, for me? You know, although they knew all about it. I think that's how they went to Je- Jesus. When did you come? Well, how did you know I was here? You followed me in the boats. But Jesus, when did you come here? Right? Now, I want you to follow the thread here, guys. Follow the thread, okay? First, Jesus confronts the people for simply following him for food. He says in verse 26, and Jesus answers them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. I mean, here's what I love about God, guys, and you need to, you need to understand that the, the Lord goes straight for the heart. Why? He doesn't have time to mess around. He's not going to dance around uh, the issue. He wants to say, listen, this is important. And he says, listen, you're following me, not because you want to see signs. He says, because you're hungry. He says, you're hungry. You want a free meal. And the second thing he does, guys, is he, he begins a dialogue with them, though, because Jesus loves us, of what it means to really follow him. But he uses what they were seeking. What were they seeking? Help me, church. They were seeking food. Okay? They were full from last night. I'm never eating again. Well, they go to sleep. They wake up. And they go, you know what? I'm hungry. Where's that Jesus guy? I'm hungry. What? Huh. And so he uses what they were seeking, which was food. Look at verse 27 with me. Jesus looks at him and he has this dialogue, right? And he says, do not labor for food which perishes, guys, but for food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal on him. Jump over to verse 29. Jesus answered and he said to them, this is the work of God. What is it? That you believe in him in whom he sent. So he's talking about belief, right? He's using food. Verse 32. Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. Verse 33. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Verse 35. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Now, he has this amazing dialogue. The people are hungry. Jesus begins, and I want you to note the reaction. There's the reaction of the Jews, right? The reaction of the Jews, we talked about that last a few weeks ago, but then we're going to see the reaction of the disciples. Not necessarily, now remember, whenever it says disciples, it's not necessarily the 12 disciples. It's, there's a bunch of people following him that, are, that are feel like they're called to be disciples. Okay, they're disciplined, they're following Jesus. So that's not necessarily zooming in on the 12, but the disciples as a whole. Okay, Jesus, now listen, Jesus just told the crowd in order for them to have eternal life that they needed to eat and drink of him. Okay, so Jesus, I want you to feel feel what's going on, guys. Jesus tells the thrill seekers, the hungry people, you have seen miracles, but you really don't believe. You've seen incredible stuff. Now, let's stop and let's chat for just a moment. I think, guys, that's a lot happens to us if we're really honest. 
There's times when we'll see a miracle, a bona fide miracle from God, but that doesn't necessarily boost our belief in him. You go, why? Well, wait, 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 pastor. I mean, if it's a bona fide miracle, the problem is, is that throughout time, it, all of a sudden, it starts to fade away. We start to rationalize it. Well, that might have just been, it could have been, well, I don't know if it was a, could you even call it a miracle? Because the what? The signs will get us interested, but it's walking with Jesus in the word of God that's going to build our faith. And so again, you'll see that there's a lot of people who go, oh, you know, Jesus says, listen, listen, you're only here because, but you really don't believe. You don't believe. And you go, well, pastor, help me. Well, guys, we need to understand once again what John is talking about when he employs the word belief. Okay, that is so, so key. He's going to use it over a hundred times in this gospel, so we have to understand what it means. Okay, because there's a lot of things that we believe, but we really don't believe. You know what I'm talking about? I believe that. Well, I really don't believe. But but John goes, no, 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 I, you, we, we need to talk. We need to chat, right? Because he employs the Greek word, guys, and it's made up of three Greek words. I've given to him over and over and over, but the Greek word he uses is pisteo, okay? And it means to have faith in... Okay, in respect to a person and to entrust, to, to have faith in. It also means to be persuaded, to, to put reliance upon Christ for salvation. In other words, guys, you're standing here, you're falling forward, you're relying that Jesus is going to catch you for salvation. You understand it? That's that word. And then the other word that makes it up, the third word is actually to be convinced with confidence. That's the problem a lot of times. We're convinced, but we don't have that confidence. We're like, I'm convinced, I hope. Jesus, please. And this one is like, no, do you believe? I believe. I believe. And John uses it, guys, how many? A hundred times in this gospel about salvation. Do you, do you believe? Now, their reaction to all this, guess what? They murmured. The Jews started complaining. The word is quibble. Can you imagine? I can't believe he said we need to eat him. Moses gave us manna. And they start complaining. They start complaining. And here's what they say. This is a hard saying. You see, Jesus was and is spiritual manna, if you will, which brings eternal life. You go, well, why did they murmur? Why did they complain? Why didn't they just believe? Why didn't they really just go, that's the Messiah? First of all, if you're taking note, guys, we learned that the, the reason they're having a hard time with what Jesus just said, well, first of all, guess what? They were hungry. Their stomachs were growling. Oh, I'm hungry. And then Jesus confronts them and he says, now, here's the problem. You're having, you're focused on the externals. You're focused on the externals. The second thing, now the second problem was they were focused on the physical instead of the spiritual. Jesus was talking spiritually. They kept thinking, my stomach's hungry. I need something to eat. And what we learned, guys, a few weeks ago in our study in John, we learned this. Number one, that feeding on Jesus by faith is necessary for eternal life. You go, what do you mean? Eating Jesus' flesh and drinking his blood refers to believing in or appropriating personally his death at the cross as your only hope for eternal life. Pastor, what did you just say? Guys, we have to jump in the pool. We have to believe. We have to be persuaded, convinced, and have our faith in Jesus. 
Here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing. Listen, I am, I am notorious for giving altar calls. I love it. Hey, if you want to give your life to Jesus, I love that. And I'll see people come forward, and it's the most amazing thing. But the essence of the salvation call is belief in Jesus. The very first thing you'll hear me say is this. Words alone are not sufficient to save. We can pray Mary had a little lamb and think we're saved. You guys tracking with me? You guys know what I'm talking about? Because words alone. And so we have to understand the benefit, right? So what do we do? We appropriate, right, personally his death on the cross as your only hope for eternal life. How do you get to heaven? Jesus. Is there any other way? There's no other way. How are you going to get? Listen, are you good enough to get? I'm not good enough to get to him. Then you need to put your faith in what Jesus did on the cross. Okay, I got it. What does, mean, what, is, what does it mean to be a Christian, guys? Well, it means that you put a bumper sticker on your car. It means you buy a Christian t-shirt, and you listen to Air One. Some of you, you're a little too hard, so Caleb. That's not what it means to be a Christian, is it? Those are all good things. It means to put your faith and trust in Jesus, to repent of your sins and to follow him, to follow him. Number two, feeding on Jesus, we learned, by faith is necessary for temporal sustenance, guys. Temporal sustenance. When you feed on Christ by faith, you become more like him and you enjoy a close relationship with him. Let me put it to you this way. You are what you eat. You know what I'm talking about? You are what you eat. If you live on, listen, what, what, what's going to happen if you, your only staple in life is donuts? You're going to be sick, right? You're going to be sick, right? Because we have to have a balanced diet. We are what you eat. Back in the day, I think back in 1990, I want to say about 96, there was a uh, craze going around. It was the carrot juice craze. I mean, that's all you would drink, carrot juice. And, and in order to lose weight and feel good and had all the vitamins, you would juice carrots. And people were buying 50-pound bags and juicing carrots. And what would happen eventually is their skin actually there started turning like almost like an orange color. I don't know if you ever noticed that. It was the weirdest thing. Why? Because you are what you eat. Jesus says, you're gonna, I want you to eat of me so you can be more like me. Here, here's what we, here's what we've done. We have, we have, um, we've tried to minimize that. You go, what do you mean? We, instead of really walking with that, what we've done is we've taken a bracelet and we'd go, WWJD. And we, this is to remind us, what would Jesus do? But I'd rather have WWJD in my heart because I've been feeding off of him. It's a good place for an amen. amen. Thank you, Joe. He's my amen guy. Number three, feeding on Jesus by faith, guys. Feeding on Jesus by faith is necessary for temporal and eternal satisfaction. Why? Because remember what Matthew said. Matthew said that when they were eaten and they were satisfied. You want to know why people are searching for all kinds of things out there? In the name of peace, they'll be searching for this, or they'll be, and they, they get in, 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 in dark mystics or Eastern religion. They're looking for peace. They're looking for satisfaction that only Jesus can bring. I want peace. There's got to be peace. I don't know, church. I believe that somewhere early in our lives, man, early in, early in creation, God put in our heart what it was like to 
to be in eternity with him. And, and throughout the years, we've just missed that, but it's still in there. And that's what we seek. And that's why you're here today. Why? Because you heard the gospel and something in your heart triggered, I need Jesus. I keep looking for peace in my husband. I keep looking for peace in my job. I keep looking for peace in my family. I keep looking for peace in my kids. I keep looking for peace in religion. And it's not about that. It's about Jesus. Lives that are finally satisfied. But this is not the end, right? This is not the end. This, this teaching that he's doing, he, it's going to still bring stress to the people, right? But not only to the Jews. Now, his disciples are starting to stress out. As a matter of fact, if you're taking note, I'm calling this message all stressed up and no place to go. All stressed up and no place to go. You go, why? For today we learn, guys, that this was a hard saying. Many were offended by it. Many were like, what? Right? They were stressed up, and yet they really had no place to go. Why? Because who has the words of eternal life? Jesus. And so we learned that many of his disciples, guys, actually went back and walked with him no more. That's where we pick up our study today. Verse 60, it says, Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? Now, I want you to know, whenever we see a therefore, we need to know what it's there for. So we have to go back to the previous verses. So why was there a therefore? Well, look at verse 58. This is the therefore. It says, Jesus is speaking. He says, this is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and were dead. Remember, he had just dialogued with that. He said, he who eats this bread will live forever. That's, that's the same, right? And so they're like tripping out, man. They're like, What? Right? This is a tough teaching. Too tough to swallow. As a matter of fact, the NEB has this uh, attractive rendering. It says this, quote, This is more than we can stomach. Why listen to such talk? This is more than we... That's what they're saying, right? You could see the stress in there. They're like, are you kidding me? The problem is the word here, guys, hearing or hear, right? It's used in two senses that they heard, right? It's used in two senses in this verse. You go, what are they? Well, that they heard him. You guys know what I'm talking about? But they didn't hear him. But they couldn't hear him. You ever, you ever do that, right? Wives are really good at that. They look at their husband and they said, are you listening to me? And we go, uh-huh. And they go, did you hear me? There's two different things. We listen. Mm-hmm, yeah, we listen. Yeah, we heard you speak words, but we didn't understand what they were, Right? That's why, okay, are you listening to me? I'm listening, baby, go ahead. Do you hear what I'm saying? Mm -mm, I've tuned you out. That's what's going on here. They're going, I've heard this. I'm not hearing it. As a matter of fact, it's too tough to swallow. It's too tough to swallow. Look at verse 61. And when Jesus knew himself, his disciples complained about this. He said to them, does this offend you? Does this offend you? Now, in the text, guys, in the original text, the, the emphasis is on the word offend. And you go, why? Well, listen, truth ensnares the unbeliever, not because it's truth, but because the unbelief of the individual. Jesus is not asking for information. He's not saying, does this offend you? Tell me how this has offend you. He's reminding them of the consequences of unbelief. Isn't that deep? When Jesus looks at us and goes, this is offend you, he's not looking to go, well, Jesus, that offends me, and I don't like what you say. How can we even eat you, and now we're going to be accused of cannibalism? And I don't. He's going, listen, your heart is what? 
your heart is not right. There's not belief there. And I want you to what? To be persuaded and convinced and put your faith in. And I want you to walk in me. That's how you get to heaven. Do you want to go to heaven? And so, part of the sentence structure is very interesting. It's, uh, it's used in part of the sentence where the influence of a strong emotion like anger, fear, and pity. In other words, Jesus, guys, as he said, are you offended in me? Here's what I want you to write next to that. He was disappointed in them because of their unbelief. He's not disappointed in you and like, I can't. He's, he's disappointed. That's the, the structure of the sentence comes out and he's just like, does this offend you? Guys, but he continues to teach. Note verse 62. What then? I got to go back because this morning as I was looking through my notes and I came to this part and, and I see that Jesus was disappointed in them, but because of their unbelief, right? Because the structure, I really had to stop and confess and go, God, please forgive me. I don't want you disappointed in me in my unbelief. You go, well, wait a minute, time out. You're the pastor. You should be believing. But, but if, we can, if we can speak truth in church, I think there are a lot of times in our lives where we go through doubts, those season of doubts. And we look and we go, God, where are you in this? And I don't want my Jesus to go, Ben, I'm disappointed in you. I've walked with you. I've shown you. Don't let the enemy rob you of what I'm doing. And I think we need to be careful, guys. I think it's okay to have those seasons of doubts. I think that's human. I think we all go through that. We don't want to admit it. We want to go, no, I'm a super Christian. I never doubt. I believe. I'm not talking about your eternal destiny or salvation. I'm just talking about those seasons where you go, God, where are you in this? I need a win today. I need a win. God, where are you in this? I don't see you in this, God. Verse 62, moving on. Jesus says, what then, guys, if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? And I think about that. It's a question. Is, is that what you need? Do you need to see me go to heaven for you to believe? He says, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. He says, but there are some of you here who do not believe. And then, and then it's like, it's like the, the author goes, oh, I remember. It, for Jesus knew from the beginning who were basically, that they were who were not going to believe and who would betray him. So remember, in the structure of the sentence, Jesus is speaking and he goes, I know that some of you don't believe. And then John goes, yeah, Jesus knew from the beginning who would not believe and who would betray him. You guys with me? Very interesting, okay? So we have to chat for just a moment. Jesus just tells the crowd, right, he knew from the beginning who would believe in him and those who would betray him, okay? Now, again, do we understand the word John employs? Jesus knew from the beginning who would put their faith in him, who would be persuaded to have reliance upon, and who would be convinced with confidence. Jesus knew that. He knew from the beginning. And that frees us up in evangelism, guys. I've had so many people say, what if you're, you're preaching, you give an altar call and nobody comes forward? It's not me who gets them saved. I'm just the invitee. It's 
But Jesus knows who's going to believe. Jesus knows, and here's the problem. The pastor's up here, and he's begging, and he's pleading with you, and he, but he knows, but God knows your heart, and he knows if, if you, if you he, he knows from the beginning. But then he also says this. I find it interesting. He says what? And, he, and who would betray him? And when we think of the word betray, we think of Judas, right? Comes to mind. Judas Iscariot, right? Our mind automatically goes to Judas. Now, if we don't finish reading the rest of the chapter, we know we, we, we go to Judas anyway, but Jesus actually tells us who he's talking about. But I want you to think about this. Judas was involved in every aspect of ministry. He saw every miracle, every sign, every person healed, those who would walk again, those who could talk again, right? I bet he saw things that you and I will have to wait to get to heaven to see. Why? Well, John told us that Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written. So we know that Judas, you guys with me? We know that Judas saw stuff. Saw him shaking his head going, I can't believe that that dude was dead. He, I touched his forehead. He was dead. Jesus came in, put his hands on him. He's walking. I can't believe this. That's crazy. He must, ooh, he saw some stuff. But in the text, he's saying that Judas is going to betray him. Ever think about this? Ever think about why did Jesus actually choose Judas? Do you ever think of it? Because we know that Jesus went up to pray, right? Okay, Matthew, yeah, he's a tax collector. He'd be all right, you know? And, and oh, and there's, there's John. John's always going to be putting his head on my chest. But he's okay, too. You know what I'm talking about? He prayed for his disciples, just like he prayed. But then he came to Judas and he said, okay, I want Judas. Do you ever think about why? Right? Because if you got 12, you know what? You kick him out. Listen, first time he makes a mistake, Judas, you're out. See ya. But check this out. I found in the John Corson commentary, I, he gives four reasons why Jesus put, picked Judas. And I want to give them to you, okay? These are not mine. I can just read. Number one. Jesus chose Judas in order to fulfill Bible prophecy. If you're taking note, Psalm 41 verse 9 says this, Even my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. So he chose him because there was Bible prophecy. Number two, Jesus chose Judas and other to relate to you and me personally. You go, how so? Most of us have experienced having our trust betrayed by a close friend. It hurts. And when you cry out to Jesus, Jesus goes, I know, I know. Number three, Jesus chose Judas in order to enlighten us about hypocrisy, right? How many times have you heard of an unbeliever say, man, church is just full of hypocrites, right? Well, guys, there are hypocrites in the church. But think, think about this. There was a hypocrite even in Jesus' inner circle. He saw the signs. And number four, guys, I think Judas, Jesus chose Judas in order to give us a powerful warning. And you go, what warning was that? Well, think about it. Jesus, Judas was a trusted follower of Jesus until something changed in him. He realized that Jesus was not going to go overthrow Rome. He was not going to set up his kingdom, Right? Judas basically turns on Jesus when Jesus is not acting or responding in the way Judas thinks he should. Isn't that how many people walk away from Jesus? 
The problem is, guys, is that, is that we have well-meaning pastors and preachers and evangelists will tell you, if you give your life to Jesus, everything's going to be A-OK. It's going to be great. You're going to just be prospering. And they, won't, they will never tell you that there's going to be heartache and suffering and there'll be spiritual attacks and you'll have to walk. And, and I've created the church to do life together because we're going to need each other in these times of desperate need. You understand that? Nobody says that. And so all of a sudden, when we accept Jesus under Jesus is my... He gives me everything I need, everything I want... And then he doesn't act appropriately, much like Judas, something changes. Well, you know, I prayed, I prayed to Jesus for, uh, I prayed for Jesus for a wife for a long time, and he never gave me a wife, and so I, I said, Jesus, I'm out of here. I'm not going to even follow you. I prayed for Jesus, for, what, right? You see what I mean? We, 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 we don't understand. We don't understand a lot of it, and I'll be the first to admit, man, I'm just like, ah. Well, what do we do? Well, guys, we get in the Word of God and we see Jesus' heart. And we see the Word of God because he tells us, guys, in our lives there's going to be sufferings. And I hate it, trust me. I'm the first one on the bus saying, no suffering, I'm out. But I mean, there's going to come a day, I get it, there's coming a day, but in this life there's going to be drama, there's going to be sufferings, there's going to be persecutions, there's going to be heartache. My only hope, your only hope, is to crawl up on the lap of Jesus and don't move. That's your only hope. Well, verse 65 to 67 are very sad verses. Notice he said, Therefore I've said to you that no one can come to me unless it's been granted to him by my Father. We talked about that in verse 37. But look at verse 66. And I find it interesting. Just a side note. doesn't mean anything. But it's... John chapter 6, verse 66. So I go 666, right? Everybody goes, oh, notice that verse. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. That's just a sad verse. They heard the saying. They couldn't hear it. They couldn't stomach it. They're stressed out, and they decide. And it uses the term disciples. These are guys who are following him. Many of them said, Baby, we're going to go home. We're not going to follow this guy anymore. Let's go. Let's go back and wait. Let's see what Rome is going to have for us. Let's see what the next election holds. I mean, you guys know what I'm talking about. They're not following him anymore. Then Jesus looks at the 12, and he says this to them. Do you want to go? Do you also want to go away? Guys, Jesus points out once again that no one can come to Jesus unless the Father grants it. And many people begin to leave and walk away with him, walk away from him no more. You go, what does that mean? It says this, they no longer are associated with him. And in our modern day, you're no longer a Christian. You, you, you don't even claim that. You see, the people here wanted a free lunch, but they didn't want to surrender. They wanted a free lunch, but they didn't want to surrender their hearts. C.S. Lewis gives an incredible illustration from his own life of what the attitude is of many who hear the gospel. He says this, quote, When I was a child, I often had a toothache, and I knew that if I went to my mother, she would give me something which would deaden the pain for that night and let me go to sleep. But I did not go to my mother, at least not until the pain became very, very bad. And the reason I did not go was this. I did not doubt that she would give me some aspirin, but I knew she would also do something else. 
I knew she would take me to the dentist the next morning. I could not get what I wanted out of her without getting something more which I did not want. I wanted immediate relief from the pain, but I could not get it without having my teeth set permanently right. End quote. You see? So he says, listen, that's what happens with the gospel. He says, listen, you get it, but you have to have, you have, to have all of it. And a lot of people want a meal, but they don't want to surrender their whole heart. So Jesus looks at the 12 and he says, hey, so do you, wanna, do you guys want to go away too? Right? And, and you and I are there. We're disciples. And so we're stepping back just a little bit. Like, we don't want to leave, but we're like, I can't, we're just tripping, man. All those people are gone. Where, where are you going? This is, this is God. And he looks at the 12 and we're like, we're staying with you, Jesus. And I love what Peter says. I love what Peter says. And we're going to close with these verses, guys. Verse 68, he says, But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and to know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Don't you just love those words? Peter Gets a bad rap, right? Peter is always putting his foot in his mouth. Peter is always, Peter's Peter. But when the rubber meets the road, Peter looks at him and he says, Lord, where are we going to go? You know what? Listen, we're, you and I, we're not all stressed up with no place to go. Because we know the one that has eternal life. Why? Well, Peter says, because we have come to believe and know. We have come to believe and know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Why? Well, the conviction of faith precedes acknowledgement, guys. Your conviction of faith precedes acknowledgement. Furthermore, Peter uses the Greek word, know, to know with approval. He knew. He's seen it. Judas saw the signs, saw people raised from the dead, probably saw things you and I would just sit there like this. Peter goes, I know. I know with approval that you're... Where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. You have the words of eternal life. And then Jesus finishes his teaching with a huge statement. Look at verse 70. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil? Here's the question expects an affirmative answer. The fact that Judas, guys, is called a devil a year before he betrayed Jesus is a chilling thought. As I was thinking about this, I thought, you know what? This would have been the good point for Judas to probably repent. But let me say this to you. Last, last couple of thoughts, okay? I think at this point, it was a good place for Judas to have repented, right? But we all know that he didn't. And, and I read a quote which reminded me of this. It's, it read this, Repentance is the character of a whole life, not the action of a single moment. And you go, what does that mean? Guys, as believers, we're continually repenting. Because we're, we're continually, what? Progressing in sanctification. And so the more we walk closer to Jesus, the more we see our heart. We're like, ah, it's ugly and dirty. I need to repent from this. And it's a beautiful picture. 
But why didn't Judas? I'll tell you why. You ready? Because the same sun that melts the wax also hardens the clay. And for a whole year, Judas's heart was hardening and hard and hard and hard and hard because he was focused on the externals. He was focused on what Jesus could do for him and what he thought the Messiah was going to come and do. He never let his... He never let his heart open up to who Jesus really was. And that's where we end up with John chapter 6. These people were all stressed up and many of them walked away. But for us, we know that Jesus is the only one for eternal life. Let me say this to you guys. Let me say this to you. There is a day coming If Jesus doesn't come back for us soon, and I pray he does, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus, that we will take our final breath on earth. And I want to know, I want to know nothing else but Jesus. And all I want to hear him say is, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your rest. Father, we thank you for your word this morning, and we thank you for the truth in your word. We love you, Lord. We pray that you would, God, do a do a work, God, that we would think about this and we'd meditate on it, and we we just it's beautiful to see your heart. And so we thank you, God, and Lord, we believe that you are the Christ. And Lord, we believing we want life in your name. And we ask this in the beautiful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.